She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out. A podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. You can imagine how really interesting we are in real life, just like all the time having conversations. Can't stop us. Can't stop yeah, us. Maybe, you might also call it being uh, too narcissist. <laughs> I, I don't know. In a gentle way, she looks at me and she was like, so your plan is to like work really hard and then start living later. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's That sounds great, right? And she's like, but life is now. And in my head, like, I kind of threw my hands in the air. I was like, oh, my God, fucking hippie. Like, what, <laughs> what do you know? There's a lot of empty space. There's a lot of empty space. There's a lot of, oh, my God, what am I going to do? For me, that was filled up by smoking a lot of pot, you know? <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Far Out Podcast. (laughs) Alistair tried to take my job, and he forgot to call you a beautiful listener. Shit. (laughs) You are beautiful, even if he forgot to tell you. Hi, welcome, welcome. Today... What are we talking about, Julie Roxanne? (laughs) We are talking about why you failed to retire early. That sounds brutal. That sounds brutal, right? Now, we're exploring the uh, financial independence, retiring early concept, and uh, why you did not go down that road after all, even though you were on the road to going there. And what some of the risks are, at least to be considered in a philosophy like that. And we also explore insecurity and uh, its role in the spiritual path. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Why, good morning, Julie Roxanne. (laughs) Alistair looked like someone stole his line and he was like, oh my God, what do I do now? What do I do now? (laughs) How'd you like it? Did it feel good? It did. I felt like I had the whole floor to myself. Did you feel like the power of it? Yeah, I did feel the power of it. It's kind of impressive. People, if you need a little dose of power in your day, maybe do that to yourself. Good morning, good morning, good morning, someone. Yeah, just yeah. like with like the intensity right before you're about to do it, like silence and break the silence. This is where the power resides. Yeah, definitely resides. needs to be intentional about yeah, it. Yeah, this is where the power resides. And good morning to you. Hi, listener. Our lovely listener. Uh, thank you for being here. Yes, thank you so much. Today is a really strange thing that happened because usually Alistair and I are really, really like big planners on these. And uh, not only have we been trying to record those episodes a little bit more off the cuff without as much preparation and have been loving it by the way but today we actually decided to record today an hour and a half ago which never happens i i think it's a little misleading to say that we don't plan for these still because these are conversations that come up a lot for us so a lot of preparing does happen because we just have these conversations we try to find things that are lively in our lives that have a lot of juice that we're thinking about a lot. And those we recognize usually 
at least from our perspective, make the best or the most fun podcasts to do. And this is one of those topics. You can imagine how really interesting we are in real life. Just like all the time having conversations. Can't stop us. Can't stop us. You might also call it being uh, too narcissist. (laughs) I I don't know. That was kind of the line I was trying to escape. (laughs) All right. um, So what are we talking about today, Alistair? We're talking about financial independence and retiring early. And really what we're talking about. So this is this falls under like the FIRE philosophy. I've, I've seen that acronym. Uh-huh. But I think really what we're talking about is my failure to retire early. And I think this this is a bit of a, you know, I found myself, I, I come into contact with the kind of FIRE thinking. And we'll give an explanation of what this is in a minute for people. And I don't disagree with it. In fact, in my Mindful Money coaching program, I teach all these principles. And I've done a lot of it myself. So I want to come out on the record and say, I do not disagree with this as a financial strategy as far as like how you approach your finances. But I, I have found that I feel fairly uncomfortable with it because I feel like it gets taken beyond that into a philosophy for life. And I've seen very good models of this. For example, some of you may be familiar with Mr. Money Mustache. Mr. Money Mustache he probably has done a lot to bringing this to the forefront, this whole idea. And he's a good example of it. I I don't read him all the time, but his basic story is like by 30 or early 30s, him and his wife were able to retire. I think, I don't know exactly what he did, but he was making fairly good money, but it wasn't crazy, but it was good. And he was smart about it. And they got really, really aggressive. And he started a whole blog and community around this and a movement really around this. And Retired early. And so he talks a lot about this. And I don't see anything wrong with that model. In fact, I admire Mr. Money Mustache. And I, I think what he did is amazing. So what is the model? Because so, you've already started sorry. going down so, the line without telling okay. what the model is. So I, I took this off a, uh, a, a Reddit forum for FIRE. So mm-hmm. as I said, FIRE is F-I-R-E. So it starts with financial independence, which means not having to work for money. Then uh, financial independence is also closely related to the concept of early retirement or retiring early. This is the RE of FIRE, which is quitting your job career and pursuing other activities with your time. At its core, FIRE, and this is what Reddit, the Reddit community, which seemed pretty lively about it, so I, I just figured that was a good place to go for it. FIRE is about maximizing your savings rate through less spending and or higher income to achieve financial independence and have the freedom to retire early as fast as possible. That's the the core philosophy behind it. I have nothing, there's, I, I can't, there's nothing against any part of that. I think the idea of retiring or not being, requiring money and being able to do other things with your time and preparing to retire early from a financial standpoint is great. And maximizing your earnings, reducing your, your expenses, who can argue with that? So this conversation actually came to be uh, between the two of us because I was I came across this financial independence retiring early thing on a video by like a woman that I follow on YouTube and uh, it's not usually the kind of video that she makes but she was sharing that her and her family were on that train and like trying to retire in like 10 years or so and so I was I was kind of interested and I didn't know the concept at all and I brought it to Alistair and it felt like I opened a can of worms 
he couldn't stop talking for a few hours after that, and he had a lot of a lot to say. And so, I haven't ever stopped since. No. I keep revisiting it. I'm I, I've been trying to write a blog post on it now. That's <laughs> that's failing, and I'm hoping this is going to help me with that. <laughs> but but okay, so I think some background to why this is important to me is really I'm exploring why I didn't do this. Uh huh. That's at the core of it because I when I was 26, I was on I was on track to do this, and I. You know, more or less, I wouldn't say I was the most fervent believer in this philosophy, but I just practiced it. Like, I kind of came to it myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't really need a lot of outside help. And it's still something I teach. As far as financial habits, I think they're, it's really powerful, this philosophy, and I teach, I teach a lot of it. But I didn't end up, re- I'm not in a position anywhere close to retiring early. And so I, I, and sometimes I hear this stuff, and it makes me a bit uncomfortable. And I'm trying to unpack why that is. And I know part of it is that, well, I didn't do that. So why didn't I do that? Mm. And should I have, right? Mm. There's definitely those aspects of it. It's like, was that? And my conclusion, which I can, you know, I am skeptical. It's like, okay, is this a rationalization? Am I just trying to rationalize what I did and feel good about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm trying to do that. But I think it's also true. And I guess what I want to do is, so at 26, I had a pretty lucrative career. I was a general manager. Um, for a startup that was doing very well, and I had a salary that was tied to the success of the company, and the success of the company was booming. Every year, it was going through the roof. It was doing really well. And I had a lot of, uh, you know, I had a fair amount of job security there. I could have kept doing that. I could still be there right now. And I know the company, you know, just from from hearing a few things, is doing very, very well. And so I was making a lot of money, and more and more each year, and I was saving a lot of money. By the time I was leaving, I was saving 40% of my income. You know, it's not uncommon to hear 50% even in the fire community or even higher. So there was work I could have done to get better at it. And I was investing it. And I was doing fairly well there. And we're probably, I don't know if I was going to take a guess, at the end of a boom cycle here, Mm. as far as the economy goes, or at at least the end of a bull cycle. And if I kept investing, it's pretty likely that at this point, if I had really like nailed down on that philosophy, I probably wouldn't be retiring right now at 32, but I probably could see the finish line and it would be somewhere in my thirties. Mm-hmm. And I didn't go that way at all. And I think this has been hard for me because I agree with a lot of these principles. And so I've been struggling and grappling with a lot of these feelings and, and what's coming up when I come into contact with this philosophy, because, and, and I'm trying to unpack that and explore this kind of uncomfortable feeling I'm feeling there. And I think this is really a message that I'd like to tell to my 26-year-old self because I think for some people, this is a very compelling philosophy. And for some people, I think it works really well. And we'll talk about that later. But I think there's another class of people that is probably a larger class where it's very compelling, but it's actually not a good idea for them. Mm. And I think I fell into that category. And I don't really see a conversation going on about this around these ideas. It kind of feels like people have drank the Kool-Aid and it's just like either you're an idiot for not getting it or you're doing it. Sometimes that's kind of how it feels or or you just, you know, you can't do it. But like, I, I haven't seen anyone really talk about why that might be kind of an incomplete idea or like why, you know, you might be missing out on some other things. Why, and and this is the conclusion I've come to, this could be a trap for certain people. It would have been a trap for me for sure. And how for someone like me, it could be a Faustian deal and it could be fairly dangerous. Yeah, I love I love what you shared. I think one 
one aspect that I can totally resonate with, even though I I was never conscious of this acronym or this movement or this kind of community or whatever, but I did fall into that when I was younger, where my aim with my previous partner was to buy a restaurant in Paris and work our asses off for like 10 or 15 years and then just, you know, have all the money in the world basically and just be be free have something that would bring in money for us and and kind of have this ideal vision that you know we'd be safe money wise we we wouldn't have to think about this and that part of life would be taken care of and i think i can totally see why this is compelling just period cuz man th- doesn't that feel nice to imagine that 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 aspect of things is taken care of, period. Well, you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Yeah. And security is at the bottom. Yeah. That's one of the first things. It's one of the first things we're always striving for. You know, coming out of college, for example, it's one of the first things you try to do is you try to secure your position. You try not to go home to mom and dad. Yeah. You know, yeah. it is a core driver. And that's the risk, I think, with this, is that it can sound so logical and so, like, Duh. And, and it also cater, kind of caters to our some core needs mm-hmm. where it can dominate, where instead of it being a complementary strategy and philosophy that can be very beneficial, definitely, it can become the whole thing. And that's when I think we can become a little blind to some of the risks, to some of the, the uh, things we might be given up. So we wanted to pose a couple of thought experiments mm-hmm around this to just kind of ask some questions. And before we do, I want to recognize that I think there's a class of people who are not interested in this and get why they're not interested in it. And I think there's a class of people where this fire philosophy probably works very well. And I think we're speaking to that other class where it's like that want to do this, but maybe it doesn't fit well for them. And it may be dangerous if they do do it. And I'd like to just like be a voice for that, like, for what what else there is to consider. Mm -hmm. But I think there are a couple people, and maybe we should just get this out of the way really quick, that may work really well with fire. One is people making a lot of money who could do it very fast. Mm -hmm. I think that is a pretty good situation. So if you're a programmer and you're making like multiple six figures, yeah, it might be a really good strategy for you because you just don't have to do it very long. So the time time aspect, which is going to be kind of critical to a lot of the questions we're asking, isn't going to be so significant for you. Mm -hmm. So great, go do it. The other one is if you just really fit in well with your work and your society. I think Mr. Money Mustache was like this. He really enjoyed his work. So it really was not a sacrifice. He enjoyed it, but he just got to a point where he didn't need to do it anymore, and he wanted to move on. And that's part of the big argument of this kind of thinking. It's like, hey, take care of the money problem so you can move on with your life, and you can do other things that are not motivated by money or that you don't need to do that. You can find happiness or whatever. So... And I, I think if you fit in very well with your with society, with the work you're doing, and you enjoy it, and this is just like, you know, what you do anyway, but you don't have to, great. I think also that's probably a situation where this philosophy is going to work very well for you. And when I look around, it's usually one of these two or a combination of both are the people who are kind of preaching it mm-hmm. seem to fall in those categories. Mm-hmm. It works well for them, but I don't, I think there's a larger category that I fell into where it's very compelling, but it did not work very well for me. 
So I think this is a good time probably to say that based on my understanding of the, the, this philosophy is you don't need to be making a huge amount of money. You need to be making more than like your basic needs. I, I think I, I'm not sure what are the requirements to be. You're trying to go after a number. Okay. So, uh, for example, there's a number that gets thrown around a lot in this community, which is 25x. So you, you need to get to 25 times your yearly spend. Okay. In the bank. Okay. So this is totally going to depend on what your numbers are, right? Like, and where you live and stuff. And that's part of this is figuring that out. So it's very good in getting financially literate, yeah. right? Like, yeah. that is very powerful about it. Mm-hmm. It's definitely worth exploring that. But the idea is you need, and I could be a little bit wrong here. So give me some slack if you know a little bit more about this than me. But this is the basic concept is there's a number you need to hit. Let's say it's 25. I've seen that thrown around before. Uh, it's 25 times your annual annual spend. And this has to be what you're going to spend in the future or, or less. And when you get to that point, the idea is that with a basic amount of interest on your, on your principal, usually I think they're assuming like 4 to 5%, you're going to be able to take from that what you need for the year without reducing or like without running out of cash, basically, in the long run. This is the idea. Then you are financially independent and you can retire. And it also seems like this is linked to um, becoming aware and lowering what you need to live. Like in in a lot of a lot of the time, it seems like it goes hand in hand. It's like you don't spend as much as you you spend as little as you can, and then and then you uh, you save as much as you can. You reimburse your debt, and you just put away, put away, put away. And it's like it's a combination of those two. And the saving part of it, it can be more powerful than the spending part or the earning part of it for a lot of us. And this is why in the program, my Mindful Money Manager program we focus entirely on the saving part of it because there is so much room for improvement for the average American or the average Westerner to do there. And this is why the FIRE movement is very good because it's asking these questions and it is developing a financial literacy that we're not taught in schools. I was never taught anything in school and I was a finance major. Never taught anything about my personal finances. I think this is a crime. I think this is crazy. And I think we're all coming out of adolescence with unless our parents gave it to us, with very little financial literacy, and then we're just getting slammed by the world, which is, which uh, very much benefits off that. I mean, not the world, but a lot of like Western industry mm-hmm. and the way things are set up. You know, credit card companies for one, uh, and a lot of other things, financial loans take advantage of that. And so I think to protect ourselves and to have more freedom, it's very important that we are financially literate. And I do a tip of the cap to fire in that aspect. My concern is when this becomes an overarching life philosophy. So as I said, I never subscribed to that philosophy. I didn't even know it was a thing until like two two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Um, You're French, but, but yeah, definitely. It's <laughs> a, I don't I don't know, but um, but I did have that sense of. Okay, I want to make sure that I have as much money in the bank as I can, and then I won't have to do anything again, you know, and then I can focus on what my needs are and, you know, like taking care of myself, sleeping, you know, reading, doing all those those things that like I just felt like I didn't have any time to do when I was working my ass off back in the days. And I remember the day things shifted for me, the day everything changed for me is because I was getting pretty excited. We had visited a, a restaurant. We were about to buy 
our our the restaurant in in Paris and um and so we had all these visions of you know we're going to work really hard and then it's going to be really good and we're going to be free and stuff now these days I'm like what what did you think was going to happen you know like the, that that was that was so unrealistic to think that this is how things were going to unfold but we kind of thought that it would and I remember I I hung out with a friend and that friend brought a friend who was obviously what I would call at the time a pretty strong hippie. Uh, these days I would probably just invite her over and we could have coffee and just talk about life. But at the time I was like, okay. Cool. Unless there was pot, it wasn't going to. Yeah, I just like, okay, your your opinion about life and success really don't matter to me. You're not really getting paid anything for the work that you're doing. And you seem to, you know, like, I don't know where you're going with this. And so I was like sharing my my plan with my friend and then she kind of like naively or I can't really express, but she in a gentle way, she looked at me and she was like, so your plan is to like work really hard and then start living later. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's that sounds great. Right. And she was like, but life is now. And in my head, like, I kind of threw my hands in the air. I was like, oh, my God, fucking hippie. Like, what, <laughs> what do you know? I don't you, I don't ask for your opinion. I was so upset at her. But years later, you, you can, should have been like, yeah, life is now. And rent is next week. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I know. At the time, I think that's how I was thinking. But years later, I can say with a big amount of confidence that if I ran into this person again, I would give her a massive hug because she was one of the reasons like over time, her message was one of the reasons why I realized like, oh, my God. Yeah, I guess life is now, you know, I'm 23. And I, I, what am I going to do? Put my life on hold until I can until I can start. That is part of the danger in this thinking. Right. And it sounds like you there's different ways to think about this. And I think in the fire community, like a healthy way of saying would be like, hey, we want to get to a point where we can do whatever actualizes us. Mm. That because a lot of times that doesn't always coincide with money or like money can, yeah. can make it difficult. And I get that argument. But I think there's a really unhealthy one too, which I hear a lot there too. And I think this is a bad reason to do it, which is like, hey, I'm going to work really hard now and then I'll enjoy it later. Because that also, if you get into that mindset as you were, you can end up later never comes. Yeah, yeah, one. that's yeah. So if you're not very careful, this can just be a way of putting off uh, important things in the moment, mm -hmm. right? That that's one way. The other unhealthy attitude that often I think gravitates to this kind of fire thinking is like, hey, I want to say fuck all to the world, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'm just going to put in my dues. I'm going to go in the system, do what they ask of me, and then one day I'm just going to get around and I'm going to be like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, I'm out, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then I'm just going to take care of myself and I'm going to watch Netflix and chill or like whatever it is, yeah. whatever you're, if maybe it's islands and margaritas, there's some version of this mm -hmm. where you're just saying, fuck you to the world and you're going to do your own thing. And I think that's the other dangerous thing, right? Like that's not really a uh, very... I guess if that's really what you want to do, then okay. But that that's a pretty dead end. And and I think people a lot of times haven't really thought through what happens after they stop doing the thing they don't like. Mm -hmm. They're just thinking about stopping doing the thing they don't like. And if you're basing a life strategy on that, that's really shitty. 
That's pretty bad. I mean, that's basically basing it on the no, not the yes, right? Yeah. You're never getting, you're not, and you, you might arrive at that time. You may not. You may just live your life in this, this kind of, this kind of purgatory. You may never get there, right? Or you may live your life in this way where it's always a no, 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 and you've never gotten, you've never started exploring your yes. You've put it off, and you wake up one day and realize that your mortgage started climbing up, like all the expenses started going up. And this idea like never materialized, mm-hmm. and you never asked the questions. Yeah, that's a midlife crisis. Did you feel like this is part of the reason why you were interested in retiring early? Yes, totally. And this is why it goes back to who is attracted to this, but maybe it's not a great idea for is me. Is someone who did not fit very well in society in some ways. In some ways, I did. I was very successful, but it, it was at a great personal cost. And I didn't really realize what that cost was until later. But I can, I mean, there's no doubt that uh, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease uh, at 27. There's no doubt that uh, my work and my stress levels had a role in that, although I'm not going to pin all the blame on that. Mm-hmm. I was not living healthy. I Who knows how many years I did and, and, could have continued taking off of my life, mm. living that way. I was I was not very happy. I was dealing with a lot of depression and this stuff. So there were these things. But like rationally, if I looked on a chart, the, the smartest move, like linearly, like with numbers. And this is the thing is we want to measure the numbers, you know, because that's something tangible that you can put your hands around. You can look at them, mm. but they don't have a lot of meaning. So you can end up measuring them and you can optimize them and you can see, oh, well, the numbers say I should continue working at this job, even though it's slowly sucking away my soul. You can you can do that. Yeah. But but then one day you might wake up retired early and the numbers didn't mean jack. And you realize that that was a bit of a waste. Mm. And so I think this is where I'm getting at with this is, is I don't know if we have a very good sense of what happens over that kind of period of time. So for example, as a thought experiment, let's imagine you're 20 years old and you've got enough. You got, you, let's imagine that we know ahead of time you can work for the next 15 years and you're going to hit that. Like let's take out all the doubt and uncertainty that often is also not mentioned in this is that they may not happen and you could go towards a strategy and it might not materialize. And then if it's not, a, if you're, if you're putting yourself second in a way, because that's really what the strategies can be suggesting you do. If it's not really for you, mm-hmm. that's the risk. Then you've really given yourself a bad deal. If you, if you end up later and, and you put yourself second and nothing changes, but let's say you can retire early. You're 20, you got a good job, you got a good career path. And by 35, let's say, you'll be able to retire early and you'll be able to live a cushy life. The question I have with that is, have you considered who you're going to become by spending 15 years being subservient and pushing away whatever's important to you for someone else so that you can then do it later? What does that actually do to a person? Like, how does that affect us psychologically? I don't have the answer. I just know what was happening for me when I started to do that. And it was neurotic. And uh, it was starting to manifest in like, like also physical complications in my body and stuff like this, rolling depressions and, and f- fatigue, a lot of this stuff. And I'm not saying it's all that. I'm just saying that I don't know if we've really considered because it's so intangible 
the cost of spending 15 years working on other people's stuff, other people's needs, and not listening to what we need or asking that question or exploring it, right? You might wake up at that age and get to a point of retiring and you've become a very different person than you might've been if at 20 you said, hey, I'm going to grapple with this question and I'm going to ask where do... Where does what, what's intrinsic to me, what are my gifts, first off? Like, what are they? Not just what does the, what does the economy want from me, but like, what, what do I have inherent to me that I can give? And where does the marketplace meet that? That's a really complex question. That's very difficult. And it's, it takes a lot of grappling. I'm definitely very much still struggling or working with that. I do feel like I've found some answers. Mm. And that's the thing. I don't know if I would have found those answers. No, I wouldn't have found those answers had I decided to stay the general manager for someone else's business Mm. and just manage the numbers. And so the difference between, so I've kind of seen it because I've kind of done one for a while and then I've done the other for a while. And I just think the difference between those two outcomes of being of 15 years if you've grappled with those questions about who are you, they're spiritual questions. I, I think there's a very spiritual aspect of work. And so for grappling with how do I fit with society, what are my strengths and what are my gifts, how can I give them, who are the people I should give them to? I mean, I think this is part of living a full life. Mm. And if you do that, you you may become one kind of person by the time we're 35. If you go the other route, I think people have this idea a lot of times. I notice it. I sense it in these kind of conversations that you are going to be the same person, that you can do this and not be changed by the experience in very significant ways because it's just really hard to understand how, like, we see us every day as like, okay, I'm me today. I'm me tomorrow. Or like every day I'm me. And you don't see the massive change a lot of times. So you think, oh, I can still be me. I can be the me of 20 with all these dreams and ideas at 35. No, you're going to be different. Your environment, our environments play a massive inch uh, influence on who we become and who we are. And I'm wondering, is that worth it? Is that worth whatever, even if you can retire early, because those are some really powerful years. They they have a lot of energy. There's There's a youth to them. And are we trading in something that we really haven't valued very well? And if you know, we decide to do the retire early route, are we going to wake up at 35, maybe with a ton in the bank, but spiritually bankrupt, or at least with a spiritual debt that we have to pay off? This is uh, this is all super interesting to hear you grapple with, because as we said, this is probably more like a question that you have been asking yourself. And um, I know that like financial security is is really important for you. I think it's important for all of us to some degree. But you you studied finance. You uh, you teach a money mindful manager program online with like coaching clients, and this is at the core of a lot of what you do and what your interests are. You're really good at managing money, and I think. I'm just seeing that maybe the bigger question that you seem to be grappling with is like taking stock almost, you know, it's like you're 32 and maybe an alternate universe, you can see the retiring early in sight. And sometimes you do share that with me. You're like, oh my God, I just wonder how different would my life be if I had done this or instead of that. And 
oftentimes it's kind of hard, but you come to the conclusion like, but my life, I wouldn't be here if I had kept, you know, if I had done another year of work and saved just a little bit more money and, you know, I would maybe have more money in the bank right now, but I wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be married. We wouldn't know each other and you wouldn't be on this path you're on. And I think I'm just realizing that maybe the bigger question is like, is the financial uncertainty that maybe you face more than if you had like tried to put away for retirement and retired early is that worth the path that you're on the self-actualization that you're able to do every day and the uh, self-led life that you're living it's priceless but on the day-to-day when you're feeling scared or when there's this common trick I do, and I think uh, as humans, most most of us do, uh, is that we think about, oh, if only I could have that and this, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But you're right. If I had that, I wouldn't have this. You know, it's kind of like the dog looking into the, his reflection with the, the big steak in his mouth. Yeah. And opening, like going for the steak in the lake and dropping the steak he actually had. Uh, <laughs> and, and I didn't know that. <laughs> I think that's what's happening here. It's like, I wouldn't be me if I had gone that route. But it's a bit of mourning for that. I, I Security is still important to me. Having financial freedom, these are still like high, high goals or priorities. But I guess what I've realized is above that is, a, is authenticity and spiritual freedom. And below that is, yeah, I would like to have the means to do the things that, that I want. But I've also recognized a different form of work that I knew I wanted back in my 20s that I didn't have and I didn't know because I didn't know myself well enough to find find it, which was that I have a sense of purpose now. And I think I'm very, in very many ways, it's, it's a budding sense of purpose. It's kind of sp- just slowly starting to, to grow and, bl- and bloom. But I have a better understanding of why I'm here on this earth and what gifts I have and who they're for and what my relation is with society where I I didn't have a lot of that. And money was a way out of answering that stuff. If I had enough money, I didn't have to answer that. And at least I thought that. And I think the truth is, no, bud, you'd still have to answer that stuff. And having a lot of money might make it harder uh, to to do that. This is something you actually say fairly often. um, And I think parts of me tend to agree with you. It's like, would we be doing what we're doing if we didn't have the push to the push of reality of, hey, you need to make money? No. You know, would we be that? Would be would we be as creative, or does things become stale? And it's true that imagining maybe a forty-something person who's been retired for five plus years, I'm sure, as you said before, and as I want to keep saying, I'm sure that there are people for whom this strategy, this philosophy, works really well. Um, maybe like more grounded, more. I want to say like fit for society uh, yeah. like those those people that might work better but for us for me would I still actually do anything if I had like if I was sure that money was coming and if I was sure that I had part of part of our life like part of the reason we decided to get the caravan and decided to do some of the things we've done uh, was because we felt the pressure not immediately but sooner or later we had to answer the money question again I mean, we were in an interesting situation where, like, we kind of mini-retired, yeah. right? Like, of course, we couldn't retire forever, but you and I both retired for a little while. Mm-hmm. And 
then you kind of grab, you realize retirement's not all that. Yeah. You know, in certain ways. It's like, it's not this, like, it's not the pearly gates, you yeah. know? And, like, then you're just in heaven on a cloud and people, like... No, life continues. Actually, it's a mental fuckery. Uh, for me, that's what it's been. It's like... There's a lot of empty space. There's a lot of empty space. There's a lot of, oh my God, what am I going to do? For me, that was filled up by smoking a lot of pot. You know, it made <laughs> that, that made it really easy to not have... That was another way to delay having to answer the question. And again, if you haven't asked the questions at all, if you haven't started working on them, and then you just get to that, you know, that's like, that's a really, really overwhelming to just jump into right? like that. Yeah. And... But but I've also come to a feeling or, or a better understanding is like at this point I don't want to not work. That's not the goal for me. And I don't think for a lot of people on fire that's the goal either. They want to do work that's more yeah. in line. And I guess I'm maybe trying to answer this in a different way, which is more of an entrepreneurial way, which which would be like, okay, well how how can I make the work I want to do also life sustaining? And I think that's a pretty difficult question. I think it's not as obvious as the kind of financial planning route where it's like, okay, well, I'll just get enough money and then nah, I'll figure that part out later, but mm-hmm. I, I'll figure out the working for other people thing now. But I also found that like, I'm really happy we're doing the the work we're doing and it's opened up beautiful new kind of vistas and, and avenues. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would hate to, it would be such a tragedy to put that off for later in life because it's directing where we're going in life. Yeah. It's also acting on us and it's also part of the creative force that is creating our lives is the people we meet uh, through the work we do. And, you know, I think there's a good visual way to get at what I'm trying to describe here, which is imagine we both start in San Francisco, California. You and I are in San Francisco, California, and we're going to walk. We're going to walk for I don't know, 3,000 miles. I don't know if that's going to end us in the, the uh, Atlantic Ocean or not. I think we're, I think we got a little bit more space than that. Yeah. And you and I are going to walk, I'm going to walk one, like, okay, so there's dead east, and I'm going to walk one degree northeast yeah. from, from dead east yeah. out of San Francisco. And you're going to walk one degree southeast. Yeah. So we're going to be going slightly in a different angle. But for a while, we're probably going to be walking together. It's going to be so minor, you know? And then... But over time, over the course of 3,000 miles, we're going to end up in completely different places. I don't know. I haven't actually drawn this on the map, but maybe you're in Canada and maybe I'm in Florida. I I have no idea how, but it's going to be very, very different places. Yeah. And, and and the routes will have taken will have shaped us very differently on the way because if I end up in Canada if you, and if you're in Florida you have mosquito bites all around you have you've gone through the heat you've you've tanned you I had to kill a bear up there to make myself <laughs> a cape or something to survive the winter you know like this if you take it that far if you take the metaphor it does change who you are at the end too not only do you not arrive in the same place but it completely changes who you are yeah and I so I think the question under this, which is ultimately a spiritual question, is, is, is this strategy really taking me to a place I want to go? Is the destination, you know, and I, and I think the blinding logic of it combined with the fact that we all crave security, that that is all like a need or, or a strong desire that we do have to fulfill at some degree. But we like to project that into the future mm-hmm. and, and think about how we can solve it for all time. And then you combine this with... You know, the fact that 
what we're saying is not very visible. It takes a long, I think we don't understand, we have a hard time really understanding what 10, 15 years means and, and how we're going to be changed by that. And I think there's a, there's a common myth, in, especially in the U.S., that we won't be changed by that, that we are independent observers, that mm-hmm. observing the thing does not actually have a backwards re- effect on us. So mm-hmm. it's a one-way relationship that we just affect the thing. Yeah. And it's no, it's a relationship. It goes both ways. I think that's not all very obvious at times, especially in the, at least the way we think about it, maybe intellectually. I, I still struggle with that, even if intellectually I can talk about it it's hard on a day-to-day basis to see that. It's hard to see. And then you you even add to the fact that what I'm suggesting is in some ways a less comfortable and more difficult approach. It's it's definitely not particularly comfortable in a lot of ways, and it requires a lot of struggle. Well, you chose, right? Yeah, yeah. There, it, I think it's I think it's harder. There is a comfort in just being like, oh, I'm on this plan, and at 35, it's going to be I'm going to solve this issue and. Here's my progress yeah. because you can't really chart a lot of that. It's not as visible. It's not as easy to grab. So I think you add all these things together and it becomes kind of very easy not to look at the bigger picture here. And I'll pose one other thing here is that what I'm basically suggesting is I think which a lot of people will get that that don't have this problem is like I'm suggesting that one, there's a material path here. And there's a spiritual path. And it's useful to use the material path to kind of forward our progress on the spiritual path. But you do, I think the risk here is to subordinate the spiritual path to the material path. And the thing is that the spiritual path require, like often benefits in the long term from grappling and dealing with insecurity and the doubt and these things. These things bring up a lot of things that are essential to the spiritual path, whether or not you can actually solve them, right? Because I, I don't think you can solve the security problem. Like you, you, you have a bunch of money and then you might lose it. So now you have to protect how you yeah, lose Yeah, that's it. what I was going to say. It's like the idea, to me, the idea of solving secure, the security need as if you can solve it forever. It's like, no, that doesn't work that way. Security is inherently part of the human experience. You can't, even if I had tomorrow $10 million and that, that money was sure, I was sure that that money was going to stay the same and, and the economy was never going to take that away from me or whatever. There's still so many other insecurities. My house, my house could burn down. Everything that I love could burn down. My family could die. Like, you know, th- this is just all the time. And it just shifts the problem. If you make all the money, you still have to then protect the pile of cash you have. Yeah. Whether yeah. it's in a bank and you need to do it through like it, getting that interest rate, or there might be a crisis or something, and then there's always the case that you know we could end up being like Germ- World War II Germany, right, or pre World War II Germany, where all the money you make just gets eaten up by inflation, and all of a sudden you're wheelbarrowing in money to buy a loaf of bread, yeah. and this was your whole plan has yeah. been completely destroyed because of bigger impact, and then like then where are you at, right? I mean, okay, that's not very likely, but I think it's worth asking that question, what if this whole plan goes well and works, but something outside of it destroys it? Am I going to be happy about the way I live my life? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is yes, then great, then go for it because you probably have a high chance of being happy. But if the answer is no, then you've got a serious problem and you probably want to think about it now before you spend a lot of time on this whole security thing because I think that's a big aspect of it. It's like you're just shifting that question to sometime in the future that you're going to deal with it, right? And you're not dealing with it now. 
Like that, that's the risk, right? It's not saying everyone that follows the strategy does that. And I think a great, 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 great book to read if you're hearing you in that part or if you're struggling with this security thing is Alan Watts' book, The Wisdom of Insecurity. And he talks about this idea. And, you know, the idea that basically if you are going to be protected from change, you have to isolate yourself from change. You have to fortify yourself from change. You have to be different than change. And change is the, I mean, it's practically a synonym for life. So, I mean, basically at the end of the day, what you're doing is alienating yourself from life. And this is a unhealthy and often sick and kind of miserable place to be. And that's really what you're trying to do. He goes into it in a a much more eloquent, entertaining, and interesting way. But I think that was something I really got out of that book, The Wisdom of Insecurity. I wrote a post on it earlier. So we'll also link to that in the show notes at thefaroutpodcast.com. So you can get a summary of this to see if you want to go into that book. But it it, it changed my perspective on the question of security and, and my relationship with it. It was really powerful. I don't know if anyone listening to this is like actually following this philosophy. I, I don't really think that's the point. I think what we're really getting at is, yes, financial literacy is really important. And to the degree that a philosophy like this helps you with that, that's powerful. And please, everyone listening, I think it's really important to be financially literate and know what you're doing there. And Alistair has a few spots to work with him. Well, thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, just just saying. But I think the thing I've struggled with is keeping that in its place as something that supports the the bigger journey and not letting it swallow it up and blind me to what's most important in life. And that's where I get a little bit uncomfortable, where where I see the conversation doesn't seem to really really delineate there. It seems like you can get lost in that. You can get lost in this approach. And I think taking it back here to me and, you know, my kind of thinking through this is that I'm so glad I'm not retiring right now. I feel like my work has just started. I feel like I'm just kind of beginning to discover what I can give, who it's for, and the kind of, in a way, my purpose, which is something in a lot of, a lot of my 20s I, I, was, I was really kind of wishing I had or wishing I could find. And, and at some level, kind of knowing I wasn't going to find it the way I was going. So I would say like what I've got in return for not following that has been priceless. It would have been tragic if I went the other way. And, and, you know, of course, I'm imagining what would have happened. But I had very good signs that it wasn't working for me. And that I, I wouldn't have found you, Julie Roxanne. And we, I wouldn't have had a lot of the amazing adventures I've had and never would have embarked. And I think that's the fear or the concern I have with with the way this conversation happens a lot is that you might get so focused on it, on the numbers, that you miss that call that's for you, that call from your soul for a bigger adventure, for what you're here for and what you could possibly give. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you very much. It's really cool to hear Alistair kind of peel the onion of this because I've heard you struggling with some like some of these things for a while. Yeah, and I'll say now, if you'd like to uh, work with this more in depth and employ a lot of strategies for help, helping you be more intentional and mindful about your money and building wealth, 
while thinking about the bigger picture, I take people through a five session program, usually over the course of a month and a half, two months, talking about this very thing and working with very practical steps and a system and a mindset for accomplishing this. And the feedback with the people I've worked with on this is that it's been uh, very, very powerful for them. So if you're interested, you can find more about that at alistairplanbeck.com. And it's in the services tab under Mindful Money Manager program. And you can find all this in the show notes at thefaroutpodcast.com because yeah. you might not know how to spell Alistair Planbeck. God knows I didn't. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot that my name is hard to spell. So, yeah, thefaroutpodcast.com. Go there. We'll send a link. All right. So. So what's happening today? What are we asking? Number one. If you haven't done it, please subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe. We'd, we'd like to have you here every week. We, it would we be really, really nice. We really enjoy uh, your company. So that's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, you can share this episode with a friend. If you know someone who might benefit from this conversation, just send it over. You don't know the kind of connections they can make in, your, in their heads. And uh, we do like connections being made in the head. That's what we do this for. Is what we do this for. And number three. Okay, we know summer has happened and everyone was on holidays, resting and stuff. We haven't gotten a review in a long time. (laughs) So if you've already subscribed, if you've already shared with a friend, please review. Or tell your friend who now is listening to us that they should review. Because I know some people out there. All right, we want to read your love. I need your love to keep going. This is what keeps me going, people. And if you do any of these three things, it supports this podcast. So thank you. Thank you. I, we love you so very much, and we hope you have a great rest of your day. Toodles. Toodles. Ready with love.